Superintendent, I hope you're ready for mouth-watering hamburgers. I thought we were having steamed clams. No, no, I said steamed hams. That's what I call hamburgers. Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I'm Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Helmet Sunday Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. Today we're talking about the Hartford Yard Goats, who are an absolute icon of minor league baseball logos and nicknames, just one of the most popular ones out there. Very happy to be joined by Tim Restall, who was the general manager with the New Britain Rockcats, the predecessor to the Hartford Yard Goats, and is now the team president with the Yard Goats. Tim, thank you so much for joining me. Paul, thanks for having me on, and, and thank you for the nice, kind words. I got I to gotta make sure that I record that so I bring that around with me to wherever I go. Well, I'll tell you what, just download this episode and keep that as your ringtone right there. That's uh... <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> the, the yard goats, first of all, I have to tell you, Tim, that I have occasionally in the course of my time on Twitter, I have conducted these little brackets where, you know, you do the what's the best logo in the minor leagues thing. And, and I'm always very particular that I want to make sure when I do these brackets that I represent that every team has the opportunity to, co- to compete. So I did one a couple of years ago with all then 160 minor league baseball teams, affiliated minor league baseball teams, and the Yard Goats came out on top as being the favorite of my followers on Twitter, uh, having the, the best logo in, in minor league baseball, affiliated minor league baseball. But anyway, the, the Yard Goats, first of all, so many things to love about this, this logo and nickname. I mean, obviously, it's a really fun brand. It's really fun visually. The, the whole sort of identity of the team is really fun and playful. But my favorite thing about it is that it really exemplifies, you know, my whole ethos about minor league baseball, which is these names and the logos and the brands tell the story of the communities where they play. So I'm just going to ask you, if you would, for the listener, where does the nickname Yard Goat come from? It's a great question. And, and um, when we did the name the team contest, uh, when the name came in, I had to Google it because I had never heard Yard Goats before. But Yard Goat is a small train uh, that works in the train yard. So if you ever see like those large 18 wheelers and then they have the small 18 wheelers in the yard moving cars around, that's a Yard Goat. But it originally started with a train and the train gets the cars all lined up. So when the bigger trains come in, uh, and I'm not a train enthusiastic, so I don't know all the terminology, but that is what a Yard Goat is. And, um, you know, so they, it's in the, in the world of trains and that's where the name got submitted because Hartford had a rich history of trains, um, in the area. And that's where the yard, the yard goats name came from. So I, I do particularly love this about this brand because first of all, the, you know, the yard goat, you know, the, the, the sort of locomotive switcher that you described there, right? Like it's not the big, like glorious, like out on the open railroad, you know, flying across the country, the big, you know, glorious locomotive engine. It's this squat little, this little workhorse in the rail yard, never gets to leave the rail yard and pushes all the, you know, the big glorious ones around. So it's like, it's like this total workhorse of, of the railroad lot there. And it doesn't get any of the glory. Yeah. And if you think about it, our players are probably, you know, like they're all trying to become major league players. So it, it really ties to even the, what goes on in the field that these are the workhorses trying to make, make it to the, you know, to the bigs. So it's just getting everything in line and, and getting all the things behind the house 
set so that when they're they're ready they can go so it, it it's funny how it you know as we you know we're going through the whole name the team contest how these things started to develop and then obviously with our logo uh we did not embrace the train world we embraced the goat world and that was a big thing well and we'll i'll be talking with jason klein of brandios about about this logo after you and i chat here this is sort of a, a signature brandios move of taking this term taking this idea that's appropriate to a team and and sort of turning it on its head a little bit right like i mean sort of the similar to the the iron pigs who are named after the pig iron that they forge in the steel mills of eastern pennsylvania you know the yard goats it's a railroad term they turned it into a literal goat and you said yourself that you had to look the term up you were with the team when they you know moved from new britain they were the rock cats and then became the yard goats I know that the, uh, I remember from the, the story that I wrote in 2016 about the team that only one person uh, in the name the team contest submitted the idea for yard goats for a team name. So when you made that switch and that name came out and surely a lot of people had to go and look it up, right? What was the reaction of the local community? So when we did the name the, name the team contest, we always knew that we were going to release the name and then I think it was 60 days later, do the logo. And so we released the name Yard Goats. And, you know, part of it was, um, you know, we did 10, you know, we had our top 10 names and then we went down to the five names. And so we were all, you know, the Hartford Whirly Birds, uh, the, the Hedgehogs, the Prey Mantis is the state, uh, state of Connecticut insect. Like we we're all these different names. And when we became the Yard Goats, there was a lot of, I, I want to say, definitely hatred. Like they did not like the name. They didn't, you know, they thought it was disrespectful to goats, disrespectful to um, the communities that, you know, um, that, you know, have goats. Like it was not, you know, it, you know, people said that we were making fun of the state, making fun of the city. It did not go over well, you know, and, you know, at that point when we, you know, announced it, um, we were probably the most hated people in the state of Connecticut. Like no one liked the name Yard Goats and, or there are very few people like the name Yard Goats. And so as, but as all that negativity died down and then we released the logo, um, people loved it. You know, we, we sold, you know, we broke merchandise sales in the first 24 hours. I think in the first two weeks we had sold to every, every state. Um, we couldn't, you know, keep merchandise in. And, you know, part of it that I never, you know, we knew we want to pay homage to the, the Hartford Whalers, the NHL team that was ripped out of this community years ago. But what I never realized is that the Whalers fans, when people would, you know, on social media voice their dislike for the, uh, for the, the logo, the Whalers fans were like, well, those are the Whalers colors. So this is our team. Mm -hmm. And if you're making fun of this team, then you're making fun of our team. So there was huge support for the logo once it was released and really, um, you know, became uh, a very, you know, fan favorite logo. Well, and I am wearing my uh, Yard Goats cap right now. And I see it's that. that. Thank you so that, much for representing that Whalers green. Actually, I have to say I, I was once my I have a sizable collection of helmet Sundays. And minor league baseball, the website for minor league baseball featured my collection and Josh Jackson wrote a story about it. And 
in my in the cover photo, I'm standing in front of the collection, and I am actually wearing my yard goats cap and my green yard yard goats T-shirt, which I bought uh, because I promised. Uh, first of all, because I love the logo, but also because I promised that whoever won that contest that I was having on my Twitter account, I was going to buy gear from that team. So. <laughs> So I have not been to Dunkin' Donuts Park. It's high on my list. It keeps winning awards. It keeps winning contests for for best ballpark in in minor league baseball. And it's a very celebrated ballpark. Absolutely want to get there. One of my favorite things that I understand about what you do there is that uh, as an homage to the the Whalers, that you do play Brass Bonanza on on occasion there at the the ballpark. Yeah, actually, anytime we get a home run, that is, it, it gets, so we actually, we're Dunkin' Donuts Park. Mm-hmm. So we actually have a, um, a 15 foot high Dunkin' Donuts cup on top of the video board. And that steams when we hit a home run and we play Brass Bonanza and, and, you know, fans go wild. We also do a Whalers alumni weekend um, that we, uh, you know, every year where we bring uh, Whalers back into the community and it's all tied to a hospital visit for children. We do a, uh, a meet and greet, people get autographs, and we really celebrate what the Whalers brought to this area. So it's uh, there's always a lot of brass bonanza being played in this area. The hockey night, I think, is really brilliant, too, because you guys have the, you know, the, the traditional Yard Goats logo is the, the goat itself. And he's got a bat in its mouth and it's a, a slightly broken bat because it's being chewed on by a goat, obviously. But on hockey night, there's a version of the logo with a hockey stick instead of a baseball bat. And so that's yeah, yeah, the hockey goat, we call it. And that was that was the first time we really decided to, you know, you know, utilize your logo because your logo is your brand. And, you know, you, that's your flagship. And, you know, the bat was there. But as we started coming up with different themes and different promotions, you know, whether it's Star Wars night, whether it's Christmas and Christmas in July, we realized that goat could, um, you know, bite something else besides a bat. So the hockey stick was the first ever other than the bat logo in the goat's mouth. And that item does, you know, that those hats and t-shirts do really well, especially on the Whalers alumni weekend. But we really, you know, we obviously we embrace the goat and we're able to roll that into different things and utilize it uh, for different promotions from, you know, having, uh, you know, when we were doing vaccinations at the ballpark that the goat was, had a, you know, vaccination needle to, um, you know, um, you know, there's a, a medical uh, doctor's uh, awareness night and we're having, you know, there's a scalpel in the, uh, the goat's mouth. Really, it just, it, we, we really embrace it and, and utilize it for different promotions and, and uh, themed events. Oh, that's perfect. That's great. Before we get too far away from the the railroad theme here, uh, because that, you know, that to me is, was sort of an, an early aha moment in, you know, as I was writing about minor league baseball logos, like yard goats, a railroad term, Hartford, Connecticut had the New York, New Haven and Hartford railroad. And it's basically one of the reasons that that Hartford exists, right, is because it was centrally located on this, this railroad line. Yep. One of one of the details that I absolutely love about the the brand itself, uh, you know, you have the the goat portion of the logo, but the type is uh, derived directly from these this old ornate signage uh, from the New York, New Haven, and Hartford Railroad signage. And so I'm, I'm going to talk to Jason Klein about the sort of particulars of that brand, but but that connection to the railroad that you have in the typography in your logo is that something that people recognize is that is that a part of the community in Hartford or, or does that need explaining it, it no it, it it does and I think 
And, and I remember the, the conversation and, and we were going through the logo design with Brandios. We actually had a consultant, Chuck Domino, and he had found that, that, that iconic image of the Hartford New Haven uh, Railroad. And he said, let's take our fonts and make it look like that. And Brandios just took that idea and really, you know, created an image that we're able to use in our script and our font. We use it everywhere. And, you know, so, uh, not everyone knows the history of the, the Hartford New Haven rail line, uh, railroad line, but those that do definitely recognize it. And we have the actually logo uh, on some walls uh, uh, throughout the ballpark. So, and we're, we obviously, we, we, uh, we always use that. Well, another reason that I need to get to the ballpark, this, uh, the, the yard goats, you know, like I said, they're, they're high on my list. I do a road trip every year called baseball Palooza with some, some college buddies. This was 20 years ago. We went to college together. Right. But we still, every year we do four minor league games in four days in four different stadiums, but I can't convince the guys to go to Hartford because half of them live in Boston and they, uh, you know, they're just, they're, they're right there. They don't want anyway. to travel an hour away. They want to travel several hours away. Yeah. They want to get out to California or middle of the country or, you know, so it's uh, you know, there wouldn't, wouldn't be a trip for them if we started in Hartford. So I might have to do that one on my own, I guess. You, you guys also have some really fun theme nights that you do. You mentioned the whirly birds as one of the possibilities in the name, the team contest. I know that you did a, what might've been night and you actually played as the whirly birds. Uh, how was that received? Was, was there the sense of, Ooh, we dodged a bullet there or, or were people sort of wistful for that? No, absolutely. You know, we actually, we've done, I think we've done um, two or three of them. I know we've done the Harvard praying mantis. We did the whirly birds and we did the river hogs. Those were the three that we did. Um, and, you know, people enjoy it. They, they like the merchandise, you know, in, and especially, you know, in the early years, you know, that, you know, there was a lot of people like, you know, I voted for the praying mantis. So I want to go get a shirt and such. So they really embraced it. We've stepped away from it because it's, it's, it's a couple of years ago now, but it's something that we definitely let have, um, on our docket to bring back because it's just a different look. It's a different, it's a different image. It's a different theme and we get to do it for one night. So it's a, it's, it's always a fun night and, and our uh, creative services department does a great job in incorporating that to all the games, you know, and like when we do, you know, normally we have, you know, our kids do a race and we call it the baby goat race you know, on the Whirly Birds night, it was the baby bird race. So like we really embrace it throughout the whole game. So um, it, it's, it's worked out pretty well. I, re I remember the, the original list of team names that came out in 2015 when you were going through the name, the team contest. And, uh, and one of them, I remember being the honey badgers, which was yes. like a hilarious social media reference that flamed out about six months later. So, so thank God it wasn't the honey badgers. <laughs> absolutely absolutely you know and it's 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 funny you know looking at those names and hedgehogs and hound, hound dogs and screeching owls yep. and, and everything it was um there was uh a lot that uh, a lot of names that I'm glad we didn't go with <laughs> well and the one that you did go with has been so successful and such a you know such a huge part of minor league baseball I, I want to ask too about another one of your alternate identities, which is the the steamed burgers 
or the steamed cheeseburgers. I've seen it both ways. Is it is is that an either or situation? Which one it's of those a, two is it? It's really if you like cheese or not. So yeah, so on the branding of the shirts, we did the steamed burgers, but we often talk about it as the steamed cheeseburgers. But it, as long as it's a steamed burger of some type, that's really what it comes down to. But yeah, that's that's our um, you know iconic you know uh, food item that we play as, and you know the you know, when we came down and I, I believe, you know, we followed similar suit to um, the other minor league baseball teams that were playing as food. We said, well, what's Connecticut known for, you know, and the three things that came up was pizza. They have new Haven pizza and as, you know, as great pizza. Uh, the second one is lobster rolls. They have lobster rolls down on the shoreline. And the third item was, you know, steam, a steamed burger, steamed cheeseburger. And I'm like, what's a steamed cheeseburger? And so I, I we there's a diner down in um, it was Middletown. We drove down. We have a steamed cheeseburger. And originally, steamed cheeseburger was created in Connecticut, and basically, it's a burger that's steamed. Right? It's not you know they they have special cooking in the way they do it. And you know we started you know said all right well let's let's work on that now. So we we worked on creating a logo. And, you know, I remember the last uh, edit, I said, you know, the, the burger's just, you know, it's a neat burger, but he's just too happy. And then I said, you know, he's got to be mad. And she and our the person that was doing it came back and said, you're going to like this. And the burger's steaming mad. And so that we uh, we play as the steamed cheeseburger. We have a, um, a Ted Steam Burgers comes in and sells steamed cheeseburgers that night. And it's just a way, you know, our hat has, you know, a, a burger 360 degrees around it. So you, you envision the burger on top of your head and we embrace it. And we do that two, three times a year. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Who created the, uh, the steamed cheeseburgers logo? So her name is Caroline Jetty and she worked as a creative services department. And now she's, she's moved on. Yeah. We knew like when she was working here, like, it's only a matter of time. Caroline was, was, you know, out of this world. I have to say, I'm a huge fan of the, this, the feeding frenzy in minor league baseball, right? The food based alternate logos. And, you know, every time I see one that, that, that I have a connection to, right? Like the Delmarva scrapple, right. Or the, the Lehigh Valley cheese steaks, you know, it's just, it it's such a great way to make a connection to the local community. So I remember researching to write it up for sportslogos.net that the steamed cheeseburger was invented in 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 Hartford and so or in Connecticut and i remember when that was when that came out that immediately the entire internet leapt to a bunch of simpsons references because there's that scene where principal skinner is serving steamed steamed hams he calls them to yep. superintendent chalmers and so were you guys aware of that sketch when you uh, when you did the logo not, not at all. And, you know, we, we unveiled that logo. And if I remember right, you know, because I, you know, we, we had put it on social media, it had more interactions and more um, views and such than when we announced we were the yard goats. And that was amazing to me to see that. Uh, but, you know, but that it, it, it's worked out well, you know, um, a couple last year, I was on a press, a zoom press conference, and I was fortunate to be on um, the, uh, a zoom with the, the governor and behind me was a, uh, 
uh, a jersey that we have framed in the steam cheeseburgers and he mentioned it like like that's you know great and literally we had sold like 50 hats the next day like you know it's it's funny how um you know people they you know because the hat is unique the jersey has you know um uh you know sesame seeds on it and it's a ketchup and mustard font and everything else like that so it, it's worked out really well but yeah uh this did not know about steamed hams did not know it was in the simpsons but obviously that helped um fuel the uh the interactions well that's uh you know it's that's that's fun because i mean it's just such a successful version of that and what i would really love honestly and this is my personal pitch to you here and i you know i don't know if we if we've seen anything like this happen with these food-based logos would love to see the steamed burgers logo on a helmet Sunday at Dunkin' Donuts Park. That would be. Uh, Ooh, that's pretty. That's a pretty good idea. That well, is a pretty good idea. I'll tell you what. I won't even. I won't even demand a percentage. I'll just ask for one of the helmets. <laughs> <laughs> so the last thing I wanted to ask you about was, you know, obviously now in retrospect, I mean, you look at this this brand that's been around since 2016. That's when the move happened. It, it so right now it feels like such a an established part of minor league baseball right like it's hard to imagine certainly double a minor league baseball without the hartford yard goats but all of you know affiliated minor league baseball in general it's, you can't even imagine minor league baseball existing without the yard goats but when the team you know came on the scene in 2016 not only like you say there was this you know uncertain reaction at best uh from the local community but then there were also you know there were conditions with the ballpark where you had to play at at least most of the year, if not in the entire 2016 season on the road. And that sort of forced you into building a brand in an atypical way, which I think is a big part of, of how your social media presence became such a hit. The team's social media, the Twitter account in particular, uh, because that's, I mean, I, I know that because that's where I spend most of my time on social media. It was such a hit, you know, or, or is, it continues to be such a hit on social media. Is there a relationship between those two things or am I drawing a connection that doesn't exist? No, no, it absolutely, it absolutely does. And so in 2016, there was delay, construction delays on getting the ballpark um, opening. And so we were playing a majority of our, our games on the road. We were using uh, Norwich as a, you know, a temporary home and played, I think it was 15 or 18 games down there. And so, you know, but because we were in this market and we, the ballpark was getting done and we had season ticket holders picking out seats and all that stuff, we still needed to entertain our fans. And most fans, you know, ballpark fans get entertained in a ballpark, but we did not have one. So we really relied on social media and keeping up on messaging, interacting with fans, uh, doing contests all that stuff. And it really had us focus on the social media because that was, you know, you know, we in at the ballpark, we, the customer experience is so important. We call these touch points. So from the point they buy a ticket to the point they get off the highway, to the point that they park their car to the point that they walk in, we always want those to be the best experiences that they can have. So they come back again and again and again, but when you don't have a ballpark, you don't have that experience. The social media is your voice. And it's your, you know, your way of connecting with fans. So whether it's doing, you know, giving player information update or whether it's doing a contest or promotion and things like that. And that literally that model that we used helped build our brand. But also when 2020 came 
and there was no baseball and, and everyone was shutting down, we had the playbook from 2016. So we literally blew the dust off of it. It wasn't on the, there wasn't much dust because it was 16 and literally started doing that and having contests and doing interaction with fans and doing videos and all that kind of stuff. Because like in 16, we had our entire staff ready to go. We just didn't have a ballpark. So we had all our vid, you know, social media, video uh, services, creative services, so they can make videos, they can do all these things. So it, it you, you're, you're, you're very correct. Like doing the 2016 season obviously allowed us to build our brands and focus on that where it was um, a big part of it, you know? Well, like I said, it's, you know, that this team is iconic. It's been such a huge influence in what minor league baseball is to this day. And so uh, I appreciate getting to have this conversation. I'm looking forward to talking to, to Jason next about this brand. I appreciate everything you guys are doing. And I will look forward to that steamed burgers helmet Sunday when I get to visit. <laughs> um, Tim, I, I, the yard goats are easy to find on social media and online, but do you have a, a, a presence online that people can follow? I do. I do. On Twitter, uh, it's Tim Rex, T-I-M-R-E-X-X. -X, and uh, that's where I, I, I tend to do most of my living as well. Fantastic. Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, thanks for everything the Yard Goats are doing. And I can't wait to get to a, a ball game in Hartford. Thanks for having me on and uh, go Yard Goats. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Um, thrilled as always to to welcome back i would say friend of the podcast now like officially. i mean straight homie is the homie is the podcast of sh for sure <laughs> yes uh, officially a baseball by design regular jason klein of brandios uh i mean obviously jason you and i go way way back i this is this is breaking news by the way there are conversations about trying to get out to san diego for the winter meetings in 2022 here for the podcast so yeah so that would be amazing we are absolutely going to be uh, swinging by the old uh, Brandio studio to check yeah. out uh, the you know the homeland there for for the studio. So anyway, yeah. that that conversation is for down the line. Right now, today, we are talking about the Hartford Yard Goats, which is yeah. just a signature Brandios design. Took the world by storm when it came out. Uh, you know, the team itself had some sort of rocky beginnings. You know, had that year where they played as a road team, basically. Right. Right. Um, but the brand itself was just, I mean, this is one that I think did not have, well, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Did this one have a big backlash when it first came out? Was there a big, um, like, eh, this is too crazy. A little, I mean, they always have backlash. So it's, you know, it's always, and I don't even, I don't even call it backlash. It's just, um, people just sort of like, wait, what, what's yeah, going yeah. on here? Yep. Um, and the L curve. Yeah, right. The, the J curve, the J curve. J curve. <laughs> yeah, the J I, curve. I was close. I was close in the alphabet. There. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's always a J curve, no matter what, what you know what what the town is. Hartford has had a history of teams being ripped from it. Um, whether it was the Whalers, um, there's a point when the Patriots were promised that they were going to go, and then you know, sort of, I don't know if it was used against um, uh, Massachusetts or whatever it was, but um, that was sort of you know a lot of. Uh, locals felt like that was ripped from them as well. And so I think there was a legitimately fair, um, cautiously optimistic sentiment, like, well, is this going to happen? Are we really going to get a team? Like, or is this, you know, are we being 
um, you know, played against another city for whatever reason. No, like this, <laughs> the team was coming um, and it was great. So um, one of the, you know, one of the things early on, uh, we, we obviously we love doing authentic, immersive research, getting to know the community, the folklore. Um, and during our research visit where, you know, the names are kind of flying around. But one of the things that was um, brought up in the focus group is that, um, you know, we're, these words like are etched in my mind, like Hartford was small, it's temperamental, it's bold, um, and oftentimes quarrelsome. And so there was just sort of like this, you know, this sort of small, temperamental, bold, quarrelsome, like that was the, the, the spirit of the community that was constantly in our head as we're, you know, vetting all these team names. Um, so that was sort of the intro to where we approached the whole project. Obviously, so much of this identity has to do with the railroad, which yeah. which I love because I think, you know, people see yard goats, they see this animal with a baseball bat, and they, you know, so often, you know, my favorite thing about investigating minor league baseball names is the people who say, ah, they just pulled two names out of a dictionary and slapped them on a baseball jersey, <laughs> right? The term yard goat has a connection to the railroad industry. Tim Restall and I talked about that uh, in the yeah. previous segment uh, on this podcast. Here. Oh, I love Tim. Yeah, it was a great conversation. Great conversation with Tim. But the connection to the to specifically the the New York, New Haven and Hartford Railroad, uh, you know, was obviously something that you guys discovered there. Yeah, there's so much to talk about here. So let's talk about, first of all, you brought up the teams that have been ripped from Hartford. Yeah. And so that informed the color choices for this Yard Goats brand. Well, actually, let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in opposite order because that was the very last thing okay. um, uh, that okay. happened. When we were, you know, the names are sort of, you, you get thousands of team names um, right. and thousands of votes and everybody's weighing in. And at some point, you know, ultimately the ownership has to decide. You know, the community voting is very important. It's part of the process. It's something that we absolutely weigh and consider. Um, but ultimately, you know, the team has to to say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna live with this. Um, and there's a lot of factors. There's what can you do with it creatively? Can you build an experience around it? And the short list, um, there was uh, I remember there was a, a hog uh, reference, like the mud hogs or something like that. Um, there was. Uh, the Whirlybirds, which was a reference to the helicopter history and building helicopters in the area. There was the uh, Mantis, the state insect of Connecticut. Um, so there was, there was a lot of names that were being you know, considered. And one of the things you know, we were thinking about when we were sat down was like, what, what can you do with these? You know, before you hit the drawing board, can you build an experience around it? And I use this example for the Mantis a lot because Mantis was like, oh, that's cool. Like you can have like a stick bug playing stick bat stick baseball. Uh, there's this whole thing that you could, you know, you could create, the logo would be great. You know, there's no praying mantis. One of the things that we want to do too, is we want to own the subject matter as best we can. Not always, but most of the time we're looking for, can we own the subject matter? You know, you jump, you know, shrimp mascots. There's not a lot of shrimp mascots out there. There's not a lot of chihuahua mascots out there. Can we, we could own the praying mantis. There's no praying mantis mascots out there. We could own that. Right. And, right. Um, and that is very powerful in terms of the long-term brand value, being associated with it, um, people just remembering it. So if we can own the subject matter, that's really important. And we knew we could own it with the mantis. The problem was, how do you create a fan experience around like, the praying mantis, right? How do you right. create this? How do you create a world? Like when you go to Disney, like what does it look like to go to like 
praying mantis land right it's like it's it was you know what, what is the kids club called the larva like yeah <laughs> it's pretty good actually jason it's I mean, that, was, that was like that was like the one we got stuck there and we were like like where do you where do you go from there um i mean i guess you could go insect you know universe but just felt like um you know there's a point where the brand gets developed and then it gets handed off and the staff has to be inspired enough to take it and come up with promotions and theme nights and you know the experience with the kids club the mascot where the, you know with the name of the teen store is there a, a like a, a seniors club what is that called and so if the staff is not inspired or they don't feel like they can it's fertile territory to be able to create their own inspirational ideas it's it's like not a good idea to go down a path because the last thing we want to do is have this vision, which requires pulling teeth to create, you know, a, a world around it. So long story short, we decided, okay, the mantis wasn't going to work. Um, the idea of the metaphor of a, a yard goat, which is a, a locomotive basically in the, uh, you know, in, in the rail yard that positions trains and, and cars to go up to major cities, that metaphor was like, wow, that's a great baseball connection, right? Um, there was also this idea of like being small, being bold, being quarrelsome, being sort of um, temperamental. There's always like, you know, very authentic uh, Hartford traits, but also very authentic goat traits. And so it just kind of all lined up. Um, there I mean, there, there's the Naval Academy, but there wasn't a ton of like goat sort of mascots uh, that we felt like was out there at the time. And we felt like we could really own that subject matter. So um, that's, that's where the name came. It's funny, you mentioned that the colors, um, we looked at, uh, at tons of, of colors and we were really fortunate not only to work with Tim and um, uh, the Solomons who are the owners of the group, but Chuck Domino uh, of Redding and Iron Pigs and Flying Squirrels and Jumbo Shrimp and, you know, and uh, what do you call it? Rubber Ducks fame um, was was in on that project creatively with us, um, the godfather of minor league marketing. And so, um, you know, it was, it was great to have Chuck sort of saying that this feels like it rhymes with the flying squirrels and the, and the iron pigs. And, um, and so uh, we looked at hundreds of color combinations and at some point we landed on the whalers colors. I wish... I could tell you it was intentional from the very beginning, um, but it was just like, oh, what would we do whalers colors? And then, you know, people like lost their minds. We're like, right. This is amazing. This right, is amazing. Right, right. We were like, we didn't think about it. So, um, so yeah, so that was how the colors came about. And then the, the typography. Um, this is my favorite, by the way, this is, I can't, I can't wait to talk about the typography here yeah. because this is, this is like my favorite detail of this logo. I mean, the typography was like, okay, well, if there's this rail connection, um, there's the New York and New Haven Railway, which I'm pretty sure was defunct, um, but it was like old, like early 1900s lettering, which felt baseball-ish um, and, uh, and would look like a sort of a baseball script. It had a little bit of a goat horn feel to it um, and it was used by the railroad. So it was this kind of baseball meets goat meets you know, authentically railroad lettering of the, the city. Um, and it came together beautifully. That was Chuck's idea. So he was like, oh, what if we did this lettering? And I'm like, you know, is that, who owns this? Is it around? Is it like, you know, because <laughs> you, yeah. I mean, you don't want to copy like uh, the Amtrak logo and be like, all of a sudden you get like Uncle Sam calling you up and saying, wait a second. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it, it was um, defunct and um, it worked out great. 
yeah, it's, uh, it, it shut down the New York, New Haven and Hartford Railroad uh, shut down in 1968. So I think okay. you were, you were saying, we but I'll, I'll definitely tweet this out and I'll put it on, on Instagram when, when this episode goes up, because the lettering on those signs is just beautiful. Right. And this is yeah. something that, that graphic designers do. And I think some other people do it too, but like taking photos of old signs is just like a favorite pastime of every graphic designer I know. And so this, <laughs> This lettering is so distinct and, yeah. and really just beautiful. And so to incorporate that into the logo, one of my favorite details and creates the connection to the railroad, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think, I think there are a lot of people out there who don't know that this is, you know, a railroad-based identity. And there are so many mm -hmm. railroad-based identities out there, right? And so if you're talking about owning, you know, goats as, a, as, a, as an identity for a team, you know, it, you can't own railroads as an identity for a team because there's too many of them. There's, yeah. you know, 12, 15 teams out there named for railroads. I would add to that too. Like um, one of the things that is, I mean, obviously the rail history is, is important to America and it's one of the great stories of America um, and so much that, it, you know, it helped build cities and move goods and stuff like that. Railroads are not huggable. Um, <laughs> and it's really challenging to create a railroad identity that is uh huggable that is new um it comes from a different approach um it's been done so often that it's like it's like uh it's like the wildcats is to high school logo <laughs> wildcats is to high school mascots as railroads is to american <laughs> sports teams um and uh and no no offense to any american sports teams that are railroad themed but it's just it is, um, it's ubiquitous, it's challenging, it's not huggable. Um, machinery in general is not huggable, it's right. cold. And so um, that's why you see a lot of animals, you see a lot of like nature and life, it's, it's, it's alive. Um, it's living, it's breathing. But we knew for that reason, it's like, uh, we don't, yes, we could have gotten a, a, a railroad part of the story out of it and a goat story not unlike the iron pigs which has steel and right. um uh, and and pigs but i think we just decided you know what it just let's just go all in on the goat stuff um yep. and maybe hartford stuff and yep. let's you know maybe pause on the railroad stuff it's you know i i mean i think that the connection that especially with the type and then the backstory i mean it's just one of those things that that makes minor league baseball branding great is being able to have this this story you know, the, the connections to the railroad and, and being able to explain it. I just, you know, when I launched this podcast, I did a little three minute trailer video and the first team that I mentioned as, Hey, you think this is goofy, but there's actually this amazing story behind it is the Hartford yard goats. So this to <laughs> me true. is like the quintessential one. I have to give credit now to, to TikTok superstar and minor league baseball reviewer, Emma Sagerman, Mm. who has created these very funny videos where she evaluates uh, minor league baseball logos. But when I asked her uh, in an episode a while back about the yard goats, she said, well, you have to like it because it's the goat, the greatest of all time. I mean, and I wonder, did that ever come up in these conversations? The use of the term? No, that, that, no, that didn't, that was, uh, that became like a marketing uh, angle, which Tim and his team uh, developed uh, afterwards. And, um, I mean, they're implement, they have a great ballpark. If you've never been to the ballpark, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's modern. It's beautiful. The, yeah. the integration of the colors, but yeah, that was, I remember, um, the external facade, the, you know, the wrapping, the graphic wrap, um, yeah. it was great. It had like fans of all walks of life, um, up there on it. And it said, you know, there was sort of the goat, um, 
you know, greatest of all time references. And yeah. they really ran with that. It was, they, they've done an incredible job. I'm really happy to see that they won all these awards with their stadium and that it's such a great fan experience there because yeah. there's nothing worse than a team that has like great branding. And then you get there and it's like a subpar experience at the right. Ballpark. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah no, I think the- uh, I would, I would go to far as to say like their experience exceeds their branding. So if you, if you like the yard goats branding, like the experience is incredible. They really, they just get it. They're like top notch. Everything is impeccable, you know, uh, everything's power washed every day. Uh, the customer service is like you would get at a like luxury hotel. They just get it. It's awesome. Well, it's it's top of my list. Uh, you know, I've got a bucket list of minor league baseball stadiums that I want to get to, and that's definitely one of them. So it's, uh, you know, part of that's the brand and part of it's what I keep hearing about the ballpark itself. Jason, thank you once again for, for joining time. us. Anytime. I love this. This is love so having you come on and talk about the work that you guys do. And, uh, you know, obviously it's so important for minor league baseball. People can find you on all the socials at Brandios and Brandios.com. It's pretty easy. You got to find it. Come Brandios. visit us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just you wait in December. We're coming to visit. I, 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 I'm, I'm putting it down on my calendar right now. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Well, Jason, well, before that, we will see you again on the podcast because I know I've got some more Brandios logos coming up. So we'll talk to you next time. Hi friends, Paul here. You're about to hear a really fun conversation that I had with Susie Hunter a few weeks ago. You'll note that we were talking about sort of her career arc and she's in Denver now and, and you know looking for the next big adventure. In the time since we recorded this interview, Susie announced that she has taken a position covering the Colorado Rockies with Denver Sports. That's D-N-V-R Sports. And so congratulations to Susie on that. You'll hear us talk with a little bit of uncertainty about what she has coming up next, but that's what she has coming up next. Enjoy the interview. All right, everyone, welcome back. I I can't tell you how thrilled I am right now to be joined by Susie Hunter, who I have been following on Twitter forever. I'm a huge fan of your work, Susie. Susie covered the Hartford Yard Goats uh, as a features reporter for the Hartford Current and then went on to be a TV reporter with WTNH in New Haven, Connecticut. And Susie, you're, you're sort of the, aside from the goat on the logo, you're sort of the face I associate with this team, like, like first thing, just because as I was introduced to the team, when it came into, into existence, you were the reporter, you were the, the Twitter personality who I saw reporting on it the most. So, so first of all, thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I don't think anyone in Hartford was more excited for the Yard Goats to happen than me. I was absolutely pumped. Well, so when I when I reached out to you to to talk to you for this episode, you said, and I hope I can share this, I hope this wasn't in confidence, but you said, that weird little team changed my life. <laughs> it's true though. Like, it's so funny. I think back to when... They announced that they were moving this team to Hartford when they announced the name and like it just got so much attention and I remember just like looking through all the tweets about the yard goats and then like stumbling upon all the people like all the Rockies fans who tweet about the Rockies all the Rockies Twitter personalities and like started following them and like those people ended up becoming my friends now I live in Denver so like it's just it actually changed like the path of my life. <laughs> That is, I mean, literally it changed your life. So that's, I mean, that's really, I mean, that's sort of wild. It's power of minor league baseball, I guess. In Hartford, 
when the New Britain Rock Cats moved to Hartford and you know they introduced the team we've talked already on this podcast about how they had that sort of shaky start where the stadium wasn't quite ready and they had the very long season on the road what was the reaction to the team and this very different brand when they announced that they were coming to town yeah, it was definitely very divisive when this all first went down. Um, I mean, a lot of people were annoyed that they were moving a team, you know, just five miles away. But, you know, they got a lot of hate for that. They got a lot of hate for, oh, you're going to move it to Hartford. Hartford's such a dump. People love to, you know, kind of say bad things about Hartford. Um, so that in itself was really divisive to people. And also Hartford's kind of broke. So like building a new stadium was also kind of controversial for a bunch of reasons. Um, but a lot of people like me chose to be excited about it and saw all the potential. But once all the stadium stuff happened, all of the delays, the whole road goat season where those guys never played a home game basically for a whole season, that did not do them any favors. So heading into the first season that they actually played, there were a lot of people in Hartford who were like, oh, I'm not going to a yard goats game. I'm boycotting that. I won't be a part of it. And so, I mean, obviously what a turnaround, right? Because the stadium has won all these awards. It's a beautiful stadium. Uh, I, I say that as someone who has not actually been to a Hartford yard goats game, but I, you know, I see all the awards that it wins. The social media presence that the team had was obviously big. You covered you covered them, like I said, as a features reporter at first and then as a as a as a sports reporter. The turnaround that they had, what was it, do you think, that caused the, the community ultimately to em embrace the yard goats? I assume that that's what happened because the nation embraced the yard goats, right? Like the, tw the Twitter is huge. The, uh, you know, there's their sales on their their caps. I'm, I mean, I'm sitting here wearing a Hartford yard goats cap. And, you know, they, I've never been to a game. I just love the logo and had to have it. So what, what do you think caused this, the sort of turnaround to have the, the community ultimately embrace the team? Yeah, well, the social media presence leading up to their first actual home games saved them completely. Um, they were so, so funny on Twitter. Uh, Mike Abramson did such a good job. And then Dana Feigenbaum took it over. She did such a great job. Just like, we're so good at reading the tone of the community and also balancing that with like being unhinged and hilarious on Twitter, which like works so well for brands. Um, I think having great merch helped them. My friends and I would joke during that season where they did not play in Hartford, we would joke, oh, like the Yard Goats aren't a baseball team. They're a clothing brand. Uh, <laughs> they had great merch. We love their merch. We were still buying it, even though we could not go to games. But I think what turned it around ultimately is when they played that first game at Dunkin' Donuts Park on April 13th, 2017, um, people got to the stadium and realized, oh, this is really cool. This is a really great place. Plus like the Yargo's logo is perfect. It's delightful. It has the Whalers colors. So it kind of, you know, pays homage to Hartford's sports past, but like acknowledging, hey, we're on a new chapter of our Hartford sports identity here. Absolutely. I, I'm interested from, from your perspective as, you know, someone who is in the sports media, you're a fan of a pretty intense sports city. You are living in Denver now, which is certainly a major league sports city. It's got all four professional, all the major professional sports, five, if you count soccer, mm -hmm. um, covering a minor league baseball team in a part of the country that's pretty intense about its sports. 
what does minor league baseball mean to a community like like Hartford? Oh my gosh, um, I I just had the most delightful time covering the Yard Goats. There's so much fun, and there's things you can do with minor league baseball that you cannot do with major league baseball. But um, the thing about Connecticut specifically is that the sports identity there is so, it's an absolute mess. It's like half New York fans, half Boston fans. I know people from Connecticut who are like, oh, I'm a Patriots fan, but I'm also a Yankees fan. I'm like, this is not right. It's not this acceptable. Is, wrong yeah, yeah uh but they think it's right it's fine um but <laughs> there are not a lot of things that connecticut fans can all kind of like get on the same page with um you know yukon women's basketball is of course the big one but it's just kind of an opportunity for um for yeah this divisive area to kind of come together and be like it's just baseball let's have fun for sure for sure are there players who you covered when you were there? You left in, you said you left in 2021 mm-hmm. and now you're in Denver. Are there players who you covered when they were with the yard goats who are with the Rockies now? Oh my God. Yeah, of course. Um, it's so funny. I really, <laughs> if you look at like the road goat season, there are so many like great guys on that team that like no one ever got to see. Um, but yeah, there's definitely like a bunch that um, of course are Rockies. Now I stay in touch with Brendan Rogers family. Cause I would see them all the time at games. Um, I was actually over the summer when I was in Denver, I was at a game. My friends and I were like walking through a, a sports bar on our way to the game. We saw all these people wearing Brendan Rogers jerseys. I was like, oh, heck yeah. <laughs> like, yes, we're repping Brendan Rogers. And then I realized like, oh, it's his family. <laughs> I, I should have known that it was weird that a whole table of people were wearing Brendan Rogers jerseys. But like, that was like a really exciting uh, addition to the Yard Goats team. And then like seeing him make it all the way up was super fun. That's cool. Do you have a sense for how the players liked the brand itself? I mean, if you're a professional baseball player, did you like being a Hartford Yard Goat? I mean, for the most part, it seems like they did. I have never heard otherwise, or at least like no one said anything to my face. Um, but yeah, I've heard nothing, but I've never heard anything bad about the brand. The, the you know, obviously the term Yard Goat is a train term. It's a railroad term. Do you think did that need a lot of explaining in the local community or do people get that right away because the yard, because the, the railroad was a big deal there? Um, I don't think anyone would have immediately put that together. Um, so like, because when they announced it, they, you know, added that explanation right away. People were like, oh yeah, like I get it. And then like, oh, now I understand the font because the font is reminiscent of the, the train line. So right. um, it definitely needed that explanation. And like, even now, I will say all over the country, I see people wearing yard goats gear, but people are like, oh, wait, it's a goat, right? I'm like, no, no, it's not just a goat in a yard. It's actually a train, but don't worry. The mascots that walk around are still goats. and they're Still terrifying. goats. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, obviously the, you know, minor league baseball is the heart and soul of America in so many ways, right? And and you got to, to see that firsthand as a, as a sports media person, but then you went on from being at WTNH covering the yard goats to do this thing that made, I think so many of us, myself included, wildly jealous, which was that you went and saw 31 stadiums, 31 major league baseball stadiums over the course of an entire summer. And this thing that you did where you got a souvenir ball and wrote the date and the location on the ball, like that just as a person who collects things for me, it's ice cream helmets, but like, 
that just, I was just like, holy smokes, I got to quit my job and do this thing that Susie Hunter just did. Um, <laughs> what, what inspired you to go see, and, and I say 31 because one of them was at Buffalo, right? That was mm-hmm. the 31st. Okay. Yeah, I started the road trip in May. Okay. Um, so by the time I was, you know, kind of on the road, they were already leaving Dunedin. The Blue Jays were leaving Dunedin. So I went to Buffalo because that is where at that point in time, they were playing the rest of the season. Uh, and then Canada opened back up. And then I was like, okay, now I need to figure out how I'm going to get to Canada at the end of the season. And I made it happen. So I count that as 31 major league ballparks. I think it's totally fair. It's totally, and it's so cool that you got to see the game in Buffalo as a, as a major league stadium. So that's, that was this weird sort of amalgam of your, your minor league baseball affinity and then your, your major league baseball road trip here. The funny thing is when I saw, um, so when I went to Buffalo for a major league baseball game in a minor league park, um, I like low-key love the Blue Jays because their double-A team plays the yard goats a lot. So it's like I saw Bo Bichette and Vlad Jr. a lot in Hartford. So then like seeing them again playing in a minor league stadium, I was like, this doesn't feel that different. And yeah. so then I understand you're writing a book about that experience right now. I am. Yeah, I've been. Oh, it's so funny. So I've been saying like, oh, yeah, it's like an eat, pray, love, but all the ballparks. Um, and then I realized like, oh, I've actually never even read eat, pray, love. So I found a copy of it and I'm reading <laughs> it now. Uh, but I was like, no, I think it's like pretty much of a similar vibe. Yeah. But um, yeah, working on a book. I mean, you can't do a journey like this and not document it and not share it. Because um, of course, like, you know, baseball is never just baseball. Like you go through so much, you learn so much about yourself, um, especially when you just spend a summer traveling. Um, it's so different. It like so gets you out of your mindset that you were in before you left. It was just a, an absolutely incredible experience. Do you have a... I hate this question. I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to ask you what was your favorite ballpark. As soon as I started to ask that question, I was just like, "That's a terrible thank you." Question. Actually, so much for not asking that. <laughs> it's, it, I just, I, it was not even halfway out of my mouth, and I was like, "What a stupid <laughs> question." Okay, no, but here's my question: as a person who enjoys minor league baseball, I like, I, you know, I have done small minor league baseball trips. I do something called Baseball Palooza every summer with college buddies. We go and we see, you know, four minor league parks in four days. Have you considered the idea of a minor league version of the major league trip that you took? Well, it's physically not possible to do every minor league right, team in one season. Right. Um, honestly, just doing 30 ballparks in one season was hard enough. So it's yeah. like, oh, maybe I could do each level like and split it up over a few years. Right. Um, but I definitely am planning some mini minor league road trips. I started planning them when I wasn't sure what was going to happen with this season. Yeah. Um, but now, yeah, I'm figuring it out. But I would love to go to every minor league ballpark. I've been to a bunch and I'd love to go to more because minor league baseball is just the most delightful thing to me. Well, it'd probably be a lot cheaper to do that than it would have been to 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 do the major league version. Oh my gosh, for sure. Yeah, it, it's an expensive trip um, for sure. But like, also, no matter where you're staying, things are expensive. Hotels are expensive now. Gas is astronomical. Yes. Yeah. So for sure. it probably wouldn't be that much cheaper, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. You and I are our fellow Philadelphia sports fans. One of our very first interactions was you, I, I was one of the people you sent a postcard to from the Super Bowl. Oh my God. <laughs> Wait, that was the, that was so fun. Um, 
I, okay, so like we kind of like put that out there. I'm like, you know what? Whoever wants a postcard, I will send you a postcard. And like 70 people wanted postcards. Did they really? And it, so like we went to the store and printed out all of these postcards. And like, first of all, not cheap to do. No, um, I'm sure. And then like we like hand wrote a note on every single one of them. And I was like, it, it took us like hours to do. I'm like, geez, like we're already like really tired. I cannot right. believe we're doing this right But I have to say that postcard is, I've moved twice since then, right? But that postcard is with all of my Eagles Super Bowl stuff. So that's- uh... I, I could cry. <laughs> <laughs> this episode will drop on April 19. And that is thankfully now that Major League Baseball has salvaged its season and they did so before the Phillies visiting the Rockies took place and as this drops it's happening right now and so i'm looking at future paul here i'm actually going to tomorrow's after tomorrow afternoon's game i'm going to see the phillies and the rockies in colorado when the rockies play the phillies who do you root for i go neutral okay i love them both so much now um so actually when i go to a phillies rockies game whether i'm in philly whether i'm in denver um i will wear yard goods gear (laughs) <laughs> that's the perfect uh, that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna wear yard goats gear to the phillies rockies game then on on wednesday april 20th so Susie, thank you so much for joining me it's a thrill to finally get to speak to you in person uh after having followed you for so long on twitter and to follow your your adventures with the yard goats and on your road trip and then whatever is coming next uh obviously it's going to be great and yeah go phils go birds go rockies do you, what about the other Denver sports teams or, you know, are we, go, are, is it go Broncos yet? Go Nuggets, that sort of thing. I've definitely adopted the other Denver teams as like my second team. So like, listen, I'll root for the Broncos. It only becomes an issue with the Eagles like once every four years. Right. So like, I don't see right. that as a problem. Um, but I mean, there's kind of a lot to be excited about with the Broncos coming up. The Nuggets That's are really sure. exciting. The Avs are really exciting. So it's like, I'd be an idiot if I wasn't excited about Denver sports. So I've definitely adopted them and they have a very special place in my heart. Well, welcome to the mountain time zone. <laughs> We're thrilled to have you here. Uh, it's Yeah, it's been a huge pleasure talking to you. And obviously when the book comes out, I'll be first in line. You better have me back on the podcast, okay? A hundred percent. We'll do a whole Susie Hunter episode instead of just the one segment. We'll do a whole Susie Hunter episode. I'm going to need all the promo I can get. I appreciate you so much. All right. Thank you, Susie. I appreciate it. You can find Susie Hunter online at thesusiehunter.com and on all the socials at thesusiehunter.com.